0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Guys, the other night, it was something is was very interesting. The other night, um, while sitting at home, I was asked uh, if I could answer a football trivia question. Hey, Ben, do you think you could answer this question? now? Listen, I'm pretty good at trivia, but to be honest, I was a little bit worried, you know, I was a little bit worried because sometimes, well, actually most time, <laughs> I can't even remember who won the last Super Bowl, you know, I was like, I'm there watching it, and I'm like, yeah! And two weeks later, I'm like, who even played? I mean, I mean, seriously, now some of you guys, I mean, really, you're like, I mean, you're the, you just know stats, you know everything, but for me, I was like, okay, okay. So, so again, I said, okay, so what's the question? What's the question? Well, here was the question, okay? The question was Super Bowl 19 between the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, here's the question. What year was Super Bowl 19 played? And I heard the Jeopardy. Dun, 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 right? Now, you're talking to a guy who can't even remember what he ate for dinner last week. Now, I know you A-type personalities like, I know, I know. Don't, don't ruin the message, okay? Don't ruin the message, Billy, I just want to tell you. So I reasoned and I thought about it, I reasoned in my mind, and then my answer was 1985, 1985. How many of you knew that? How many of you knew that? Anyone? Paul? I thought Paul would. 1985, right? And the guy was like, yeah, that's right, 1985. And I was just like, yeah, I knew that. Now, here's what blows my mind. My oldest daughter was asked the very same question earlier that day. She was asked the question, and she got 1985, which blew my mind, okay? Now, I was, like, super proud, right? I was super proud as well as stunned that both of us came up with the correct answer, okay? Now, let me let you in on a little secret. I guessed. I guessed based upon deductive reasoning, you go, what do you mean? In my mind, I started going, okay, let's see. Super Bowl I, I know it was played around 1966, 1967. You add 19 to that. I'm going to say 1985. Well, I got it right. You know, I was like, yeah. Well, now here's what, blew, here's what blew me away. Here's what blew me away. When I asked Talia, I said, Talia, how did you get 1980? I know how I got 1985. How did you get 1985? She said this. She told me, well, I did the exact same thing. I was like, What? No way, she said, I know that the first Super Bowl was played right after you were born, 1966, there you go. You know, you know how old I am. And she says, I added 19 more and I came up with 1985. I was Phew. She did exactly the same thing that I did. Deductive reasoning, right? And I was so proud and I was like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And you're like, what does it mean exactly? What does that mean? What does that mean exactly? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, check this out. It's an idiom that means that kids are a lot like their parents. Now, if you're looking at yourself going, I ain't having to get, you're going to be a lot like it. It's so funny too. It's so funny because because me and Santos were out there looking right this morning, and Sasha comes in and she drives up and she backs up the car, and he goes, is that Sasha? And I'm going. Well, yeah, Sasha, she's backing up just like you do, Santos, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Some of your stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, my kids, that just was, that's it, and the apple doesn't fall. And you go, well, it's an idiom, guys, that that means that kids are a lot like their parents. In fact, the fact that Talia, my daughter, was brought up in my house watching sports in a lot of ways became like her dad in sports, The apple doesn't fall far from the tree can also mean when someone is displaying traits or behaving in the same way as parents or relatives. Let me say that again. Okay, when you go, hey, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, it could mean that when someone is displaying traits or behaving in the same way as their parents or relatives. And it reminded me of this story. Listen to this story. A little girl asked her mother, How did the human race appear? The mother answered, well, God made Adam and Eve, and then they had children, and so all mankind was made. Okay, the little girl said. Two days later, she went and asked her father the same question. The father answered, well, many years ago, there were monkeys from which human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mother and said, mom, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God, and dad said they developed from monkeys, Well the mother answers, Well dear, that's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his. (laughs) So today, guys, I want to talk to you I want to talk to you about staying connected to the vine so that we can, guys, display and behave the way our Jesus would. I want to stay connected. So if you recall, we left off last week, guys, we learned Jesus and the gang had left the upper room. They're walking through the Temple Mount on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus still has a lot to teach them since he's only a few hours away from dying on the cross and he's trying to make the most of this time now remember when it comes to the vines that would not be a foreign concept to them the grapes anything else I mean they they would be all over Israel as a matter of fact if you looked at the temple doors you'd see these innate wonderful gold doors and they'd have a gold vine and so the disciples knew when he started talking about grapes and vines they knew what he was talking about I used this illustration last year last week it's like it's like if he was talking about cotton everyone here would go, oh, yeah, I see the cotton fields around that. I mean, or if Jesus used a farming analogy, we would get it here, would we not? Because that's kind of just in, in us here in West Texas. And so that's what he's doing. And so he says, I'm going to pour into my guys, but I want to use a visual. I, wanna, I want you guys to grasp this. And he starts on in verse 1 of chapter 15. Let's just, uh, let's just recap real quick. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Notice what he says. For without me, you can do nothing. Your attention, please. There are four key elements of this text, all of, in, all of chapter 15. You go, what are they? Write these down if you're taking note. The vine is Jesus Christ. He says that, I am the vine. He is the one that brings life. He is the one that brings nutrients. He are the things that we need. Jesus Christ is the vine. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, we've got to learn that the branches, who are the branches? That would be us, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a branch. I'm a branch, right? Look at I'm a branch, I'm a branch. I'm an old branch, but I'm a branch. It doesn't matter how old it is, but that's what you are. You are a branch. The vine dresser, number four, that would be God the Father, the vine dresser. He's the expert fruit producer. That's what he does. God the Father is the vine dresser. And of course, the fruit, we're going to talk about a little bit later on, but you can put, if you're taking note, the fruit we should be displaying should be wrapped and tied in love. That's what it should be, okay? We'll see that according to Galatians, but I know the fruit he wants us to display is a love that is worthy to be called his disciples. That's the love we should be producing. That's what the word of God says. Now, Jesus reminds the disciples as well as us, every branch, remember we're branches, every branch that that, that does not what? That does not bear fruit. Notice, guys, he says, he takes away. Do you guys see that in verse 2? He takes away. The Greek word is aero A-I-R-O, and it means to be lifted up, to be lifted up. Now, here's the thing. It's We learned last week, it, this is his ultimate purpose, right? He sees a branch laying on the ground. Did you know that a vine branch laying on the ground will not produce grapes? It just will not. So Jesus, the vine that God comes and he says, oh, I need to lift this up. He takes away and he puts it back and he intertwines us with the rest of the vines so we can grow. That's first and foremost. And when we grow, then we'll begin to produce fruit. That's what he's saying. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He lifts up. Now, remember, remember, guys. It's also used to carry off or to put away. Some believe that this translated that if a believer does not bear fruit, Jesus will come or the God the Father will come and take you away. They'll take you away. Now, a school of thought is basically, it's basically this. A school of thought is like every branch in me that does not bear fruit, God looks at your life and he says, well, you're not going to bear fruit. You, this is going to happen. Let me just take you on home. And a lot of people taught it that way, that God would just take him home. And we would comfort ourselves at times when somebody we cared about died, right? Early, we would comfort ourselves because we would say, well, Maybe something, maybe God saw in his future that he was going to turn from serving him. Maybe God, but, but the real one is to pick up. Remember, because you go, why? Well, think about this, guys. In the context, in the context, right? We have to do context. Where was it? He? he was in the upper room and he was telling his disciples, he's, listen, people are going to know you're my disciple by the love you have one for another. I wouldn't want to walk in, I wouldn't want to walk in Christianity going, hey, listen, Paul. The moment you stop bearing fruit, you're dead, bro. I, who wants... I mean, you live in fear. You would what? Help me, church. You would try to produce your own fruit. You'd be like, I've got to... Uh, uh, right? What are you doing? I'm trying to make fruit. Come on, help me. I don't want to die. So I think in context, he's really telling us, hey, guys, listen, Jesus loves you so much, he wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to bear fruit, guys. Every branch in me, every branch in Christ should be bearing fruit. What else? Well, not only does he do that with some people, but then some of us are going, I'm bearing fruit. I got some fruit. Little buds going on right there. Oh, look at that. There's there's an apple. All right. He says, oh, by the way, every branch, he says, I'm going to prune. I'm going to prune. Now we're like, whoa, 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 hold up. Time out. Prune? What does it mean? Well, if you look at that word, it's funny. It's interesting in the Greek. It means to cause something to be clean. To make clean, to cleanse. I thought that was interesting. Because I thought it was to cut and to hurt. Ah, I'm being pruned. It means to cleanse. To be clean, guys. And I'm gonna be honest, you ready? Pruning hurts. Pruning hurts. I don't know any I don't know any tree that says, Okay, I'm ready to be pruned. Let's go. This is good. They're like, uh, those scissors, get those away from me right now. That hurts. Right? But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. When it's done by the God the Father, the expert vine, dress, uh, vine dresser, I believe he does it gentle, and I believe he's compassionate, and I believe he takes it slow. Okay? But we are being pruned. Now, if you're taking note, and I hope you are, let me give you some facts about being pruned. You go, Pastor, I'm being pruned. I'm being pruned in my walk. I'm being pruned in, in ministry. I'm being pruned in my job. I just, let me, give you, let me give you some facts about being pruned. Number one, jot this down you're being pruned so that you can bloom even more you're being pruned so you can bloom even more that's the whole point you know oh i thought i was i thought i was i thought i had some good fruit in me man i know god wants to go even more even more he's going to cut off your dead branches he's going to chip he's gonna put you down to where you just number 2 guys Being pruned is for your overall spiritual health. Being pruned is for your overall spiritual health. If our physical health, we go to the doctor and he says, hey, you need to cut out this, you need to do this, you need to stop eating donuts, you need to drink more water, whatever it might be, that's our physical health. But pruning is for our overall spiritual health. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, check this out. Just like we have growing seasons, you guys know what I'm talking about? There's times you're just growing in the Lord, man. Everything you are t- is just growing, you'll also have pruning seasons. So you'll have either season. Number three, let me give you this fact. Pruning could either be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. Pruning can be in either a stepping stone or a stumbling block. You Pastor, what do you mean? Well, guys, the way you look at it, because I've known some people who are beginning to get pruned and they back away from ministry and they back away from Christianity and it becomes a stumbling block from them because they go, listen, I don't want to do this because I'm, I, that's going to hurt. I don't want to do this because God's going to do this or God's going to do that. Or God loves you, but we take it in a way to where it needs to be a stepping stone. Okay, this is what I'm being pruned for. God's going to do some incredible growth. Number four, jot this down. Pruning destroys fears and insecurities. Pruning, right, cleansing, cleaning destroys our fears and insecurity. And last but not least, guys, pruning positions you for growth. Pruning positions you for growth. You're in the right position. You're in the right position. There are times when a tree, a bush, a vine, whatever it might be, is not getting enough sunlight. And what it needs to do is it needs to be pruned so it can absorb the sun. It's actually being positioned so it can receive the sun. I think there are times in our lives, well, let me just ask you this, okay? What in your life needs to be pruned so you can have more of the sun? Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. What in your life is growing and overgrowing in abundance that we have to, God has to prune because I'm not getting enough, I'm not getting enough sun. And I need some things pruned in my life. I need to cut it. Why? Because it seems to be sucking everything that I have. It's not. It's not producing any fruit. And some could even say it's an idol. The Lord's like, no, no, no. Let's 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 cut that off. Let's cut that off. Then Jesus, back in our text, guys, I gave you five uh, facts about pruning. Jesus then says, "Well, let me give you the remedy for producing fruit." He says, "I am the vine." Okay, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And he says, For without me, you can do very little. You say, Pastor, that's not what it says. For without me, you can do a quarter of what I want you to do. Pastor, that's not what it says. It says, For without me, you can do nothing. Okay, nada, zero, zilch, not that nothing. Okay so Jesus says okay so I I can't produce anything and it's almost and it's almost like we do the producing isn't it It's almost like we're going okay let me show you I'm a Christian now here's the thing guys here's the thing this is not in the notes but let me it might be for somebody here sometimes we think producing fruit is simply modifying our behavior we modify our behavior we act in and more like Christians we try to behave more like Christians and we're working in it's like no 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 listen that's not what he said did you catch what he said he said abide in me remain in me and you'll produce fruit as a matter of fact you didn't have no fruit right and we'll look at that in a minute but he says abide in me you go what does that mean exactly abide it means to remain in the same place over time okay Jesus is teaching for us to remain in him to stay put if you want to be effective for his kingdom don't modify your behavior get plugged into the vine even more Get plugged in. Stay put. Don't be wanderers. Don't be looking around going, I wonder what's over here. What's this? Stay plugged in, guys. Stay plugged in. You want to be effective. It's going to come from Jesus inside you. Okay, that's what it means. And the only thing you need to do to be effective in his kingdom, in your circle, is to abide in him. Abide in him. And, of course, then Jesus continues. And he says, okay, let's continue on in our text. Let's talk more about fruitfulness. You ready? Well, again, if you noticed on my opening uh, introduction, I'm calling this message, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Why? For today, guys, we discover that if we want to be like Jesus, we must stay connected. Connected. Even if we fall. Now, I'm going to use this as a double meaning, okay? Why? Because, because an apple doesn't fall far, far from the tree means, hey, your kids are going to be a lot like you. But it can also mean this, if I'm going to fall from the tree and Jesus is the tree, he's the vine, I want to stay close, as close as I can to, to Jesus, because so, I, I know the Father's going to come around pretty soon, and he's going to pick me back up. So it's a double meaning, okay? It's a double meaning, but we can see. I want to stay close. I want to be back in the right path once again. So that's where we pick up our text today, guys. John chapter 15, verse 6, look at it with me. Jesus is speaking. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Do you guys feel the weight of this verse? Here's Jesus going, hey, listen, hey, guys, we're all good. Listen, hey, if you're not bearing fruit, hey, Adam, look at me, Adam. Adam, you're not bearing fruit. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to, oh, okay, and Tiffany, you're okay there, and let's do this. And, And then all of a sudden, he drops this bomb on us. And you go, what do you mean? He says, hey, by the way, if anyone, who's anyone? He says, doesn't abide in me, he's going to be cast out as a branch and is withered. And then, and then they're going to gather them, they're going to make them firewood, and that's all there is to it. You're like, whoa, what is that? Now, feel the weight of this. As I studied this verse, guys, two schools of thought came forth through its interpretation. You go, what's that? Let me just tell you what they are. Okay, two interesting schools of thought. Number one, according to Charles Ryrie, he says this. He says this verse is talking to the believer who's not producing fruit. the term they are burned refers to the believer's works. He says this: the Christian who does not abide in Christ cannot do what pleases God, therefore his works will be burned at the judgment seat. That's the first school of thought. it's like okay he's talking and 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 then he says this he says he quotes first Corinthians three fourteen and fifteen listen to what Paul writes If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as go through the fire. So Ryrie comes and he says, okay, as not, it looks like it, it looks like if you're really not producing fruit, you know, or you're producing fruit with the wrong motives, or you're just trying to modify your behavior, you want everybody, he says, now, now listen, they're going to be tested, okay, they're going to be tested, and if your works are, are built on, on being connected to the vine, you're going to get a reward, he says, and if anyone's work is burned, he's going to go, man, that's just, that's going to be pff, just up in smoke, he says, but you'll still be saved, as to go through the fire, that's what he's saying, he's saying everybody's work, and I'm going, wow, okay, Rabbi, right? that's interesting, that's interesting. I don't know how Jesus said that if anyone does not abide in me, he's, he's cast out as a branch and is withered and, and for, they, you know, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they burn. Okay, Rabbi, I see where you're coming from. Second school of thought. Second school of thought. Most scholars believe that Jesus is talking to unbelievers at this point, okay? Unbelievers who will refuse to abide in him. And that, like that branch, right? Because we're the branches. He goes, you're an unbelieving branch. Either you're a believing branch or an unbelieving branch. And if you're and if you not connected to the vine, then you have no life. And you cannot maintain life. You guys saw that, right? Last week, I pulled out a branch. And before you even knew it, what happened? It started to wither. I mean, it was only a couple of hours. You knew that within a matter of time, it, that was going to be a dead branch. All it was going to be good for was firewood. That's all. Let I me mean, throw it into the fire, Right? And so, and so again, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, it's going to become withered, thrown into the, the the fatal consequences of forsaking Christ. He says, if any man does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch. This is a description of the fearful state of hip- hypocrites that are not in Christ and the blackslider who does not upright in Jesus. So, school thought number one: it's our works that can be burned. You don't really have good motives. Number two, it's actually talking to unbelievers who go, listen, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to be saved. And and you don't abide in the Lord. You're not a Christian. You're going to be cast out and burned. Two schools of thought. You go, well, Ben, where do you land? Where do you land on this? Here's my thought. I believe it could be both. I believe it could be both. Both works for the believer and eternal life for the unbeliever. I believe it could be both. Here's my point. Let's not debate... What is said, but let us see the urgency to abide and stay connected in the vine. That's what we got to do. The urgency, guys, not to be disconnected, but to be connected. If you're here and you're going, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm connected. And I know I'm bearing some fruit, but I don't know if it's going to be burned in the fire. Guys, then get connected into the right vine. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, know that you are a branch that's going to be separated from God eternally. And you want to get connected. You're ready to give up the life. You're ready to give up all all the things that the world tells you. And and you're ready to get plugged in and go, man, just yesterday, guys, we had just this incredible time at the men's fellowship. We had two young guys that we are trying to pump into to see, God, what will you do? What could God do if you'll just surrender? And I know that the, the teenagers today, they have a hard time. I know that they're tripping, man. I know that the world is coming at them 24-7, 365, but, but I know God is bigger. And I, know, and, and I know if you would just take the time to go, God, open up, your, open up my heart. I'm going to follow you. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what my family says. I don't care. I'm going to follow you. You are more than anything to me. Watch what God will do with the life that's truly surrendered to him. But that's what he's saying. It's his saying, guys. believe it can be both now notice what jesus does jesus will confirm that in the next few verses look at verse seven okay he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done if we abide everybody say abide in the way it's, in, in the Greek verb tense, guys, it means to effectively and successfully. Like, this is where we are. We're going to abide. We're going to stay. This is effective. Okay? If we abide in Jesus and his words abide in us, whatever we ask, he will do. Whatever we ask, he will do. Now, listen. You go, how can that be? How can, how can it be? Well, here's why. Because this indwelling of his words in them will produce the harmony of asking under his perfect will. You go, whoa, what did you just say? There's a bunch of words there. No, no, no. Here's what I'm saying. Because of his words and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of, we're not going to sit here and go, God, I'm going to ask for a hmm, Cadillac. I'm going to ask for a bigger house, God. I'm going to ask for all the... That's not what God does inside you. What God does inside you is you start going, man, those aren't things that I need. Those aren't things that I really want. Oh, sure, Lord, I would be blessed, but you know what I really want? I want this person saved, and I want to see this person walk through. And I know this person who's really hurt emotionally. I want to see them healed. God, that's what I really want. Please help me. And if you could use my life in any way, shape, or form, God, please please that's what i want to do would you would you do that and that's how he's saying he's saying his indwelling you're not going to ask amiss like james says you're not going to ask with the wrong motives you're going to go god i want people i want people brother joe i got a question brother joe i got a question is there something better than going to heaven what's that taking somebody with you. Brother Joe said that last, last month, and, and that's right. We want to take people with us, guys, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, okay, okay, if I effectively in Jesus abide in him, abide in him. As a matter of fact, John, he goes off and he writes in First John chapter 2, verse 14. He says, I have written to you fathers because you have known who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men. Look at me, young men. Here's what he's saying, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. How cool is that? How cool? He says, I'm writing to young men. I didn't know he was writing to me. Wait a minute. Why are you laughing? How cool would it be to listen and say, hey, Brian, God's writing to you right here. And what's he saying to you? He says, you're strong. You're strong and the word of God abides in you. How cool is that? Now, I know us older guys, right? Anybody probably older than 20, older than 20, go, man, I wish I had that chance again. Man, I you go, what, what, what? If I have one regret, what would it be that I didn't give my life to Jesus earlier? That I didn't, I didn't surrender at 15 or 14 or 13. I got saved at 17. I got saved at 19, at 32, whatever it might be. You're just going, man, I wish that. I wish that. That's what he's saying. You guys want your prayers answered? You go, yes, sir. Abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Verse 8, by this, Jesus says, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Okay, believer, he says, by this, by what's he talking about? By abiding in Jesus and Jesus in us through his Holy Spirit, his word, and his love. By this, the Father is glorified. Glorified. You go. What does glorified Ben mean? He says, "By this, my father is glorified." Well, here it is. Here's here's the Greek rendering of it: to cause someone to have glorious greatness. Isn't that what you want to do? To cause someone to have glorious greatness? Wow, Lord, you are great. To make gloriously, to make great, to glorify. That's what happens, right? What happens? Listen, listen. When you bear fruit, God is glorified. When you bear more fruit, God is glorified. But He just said, when you bear much fruit, the Father is glorified. Right? So here's the point. The people go, Hey, Paul, you got some fruit hanging on you, bro. First and foremost, whenever we bear fruit, is it for us or for somebody else? That's right, right? Your apple tree doesn't go, hey, that's mine. It sits there and goes, Here, have his mind. The apricot tree's like, then plenty of fruit. Go for it, man. So our fruit is for somebody else. Okay. So Paul is there. He is. Paul is a he's he's a fruit tree. He's a tree. He's a he, there he is bearing fruit, right? And I go up to Paul and I say, Paul, check this out. Boom. Oh, this is great. This is a great piece of fruit, right? Am I going to glorify Paul or am I going to go, I know Paul. I glorify God because they know us, right? And if, and if any fruit is hanging out, you're going, that's the Lord. That's the Lord, right? And so we're sitting here bearing fruit. People come and pick the fruit. And, and listen, here's the point. Let him pick your fruit. Let him pick. That's what it's for, right? Let's not be hoarders, right? That's my fruit. That's my fruit. God has given you a gift. He's given you fruit. He, you know what? And it's for people to come and go, wow, wow, that's good. That's, oh, that's good. That's not you, Paul. Paul goes, it's Jesus. And, and the Father is glorified, right? And people will cause great, glorious greatness, to glorify God, guys, let's just be honest. It's to live radically. It's to live radically and extol his attributes. You go, what do you mean? What does it mean to glorify God? To extol his attributes to what? His holiness. His holiness. Guys, we got to get away from the fact that well, we're under grace, so we could watch whatever filth we want to watch. We want to extol his holiness in our lives. Okay. It's a process. You go, what else? His faithfulness. To remain faithful. It's not where we start. It's where we finish. We should all finish well. Okay? I'm going to be in heaven going, okay, you ready? You, you better be there. Come on. I'm going to cheer you guys on. Why? Right? Because we all want to finish well. You better do the same for me. Because if you go up there and he, Ben's not here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. His faithfulness. His mercy. Guys, we need to... That's one of his attributes. Are you merciful to others? How about love? How about love? Are you loving? Right? How about How about extolling his sovereignty, his power. All of these things, guys, what are we doing? Rehearsing them over and over in our minds and then living them out as, as we love people back to life. That's what it means to live radically. Guys, it's just to keep playing these in. Okay, I want to be holy like you, Lord. God, help me to be, help me to be faithful like you, Lord. Help me to be merciful. Help me to have compassion like you, God. God, give me self-control. All of these things. Because he wants us to do what, church? He wants us to bear fruit. By this, by abiding in Jesus, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Notice what it says. You guys see that in verse 8? Give me an amen if you see it. Okay? Bear much fruit. Notice it doesn't say be a bear to one another. Okay? Because we mistake that. We go, oh, but it says to bear much fruit you go what does it mean it means to habitually and cons- and, and consistently bear fruit that's what it means habitually so here's a question are you in the habit habitually bearing fruit in your life well pastor i go through seasons well an apricot tree in my yard goes through seasons okay it has it has times for apricots and then it has times for it just has leaves But the Christian should be continually, habitually bearing fruit. And I love the fact that if someone comes and picks an apple from you or picks an apricot or a peach, whatever fruit you like, you can grow one, but it grows back like that. Why? Not because of something we do, but because we're connected in the vine. You guys got that? So it's like, okay, oh, Scott got that one. Okay. Oh, there it is again. And I'm not doing anything. I'm just staying connected in the vine. And now Scott is going to take what he's learned He's going to take it out there, and people are going, oh, look, God's got some fruit. And guess how? Isn't God amazing? He He knows what he's doing. We don't have a clue. God knows what he's doing. So we want to habitually bear fruit. Now, let's chat for just a moment. There are four elements to bearing fruit. You, what are they? Number one, we see that there's no fruit, and he wants us to bear fruit. Number two, we're going to bear fruit. Number three, more fruit. And then number four, you guys know this, much fruit, much fruit. Now, can we talk? Can we chat for just a moment right? The Father is glorified in us when we bear fruit. What is the fruit? What is that fruit? You go, well, Ben, it could, be, it could be a number of things. Amen. Let me give you a number of things that we could talk about, okay? Number one, it could be converts. It could be converts. That's what fruit could be. You're going out in the ministry of reconciliation. You're telling people about Jesus and you're leading them to Christ. Don't be afraid. Don't stop short when you're, when you're presenting the gospel, a lot of times you guys are just amazingly gifted and you'll share the gospel and you go right up into that point you go, "Amen, let me know if you ever want to get saved." And you'll walk away and the guy's going, "I want to get saved now, but I'm afraid." Always go, "Hey, I can lead you in a prayer today if you're serious. I can Do you want me to Do you want me to pray with you? Do you want to do this right now?" Because fruit can be converts. You go, "What else?" I think fruit can be Christian character. Christian character. Okay? This one really got me because I'm thinking, you know what? It's one thing to act holy and in front of people, but what do you do when you're alone with Jesus? Right? What's your character like? Because that's what character is, isn't it? Character is, is like, how do you behave when nobody's watching? I was busted. I want to produce that. You go, Ben, nobody's watching my fruit. I'm home alone. But God is there. God is there. And what you do at home in the dark will eventually come out in the light. Number three, it may be fruit of the Spirit, right? It may be fruit of the Spirit. You go, well, like what? Well, remember, it could be love. It should be love, and it should be wrapped in joy, peace, long-suffering. Somebody asked, who's long-suffering? Right? She didn't know what long suffering was. It really is patience. Anybody want patience in here? Mm-mm. I, I want, no, I don't. Ugh. Patience. I want the fruit of patience. How about kindness? Kindness. How about goodness? Faithfulness. Gentleness. Gentleness. It's amazing that these are, this is the fruit of the Spirit, and and it's almost like the Lord could read our hearts because there are times in our lives, help me, church, that we're not so gentle with people. We're just not so gentle. We've had a hard day. We've had a, what do they call it, a bad hair month. Things aren't going good. You're stressed. Your fuse is this big, and somebody comes in and just pushes that button. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nativity's going. But it's, it's the fruit that causes us to be gentle with them, even when we want to pinch their head off. But we just but we're just gentle. We're just gentle. God bless you and keep you from the lion's den, kind of thing. How about self-control? How about self-control? A lot of times we think of self control in the sexual realm, don't we? Oh, I'm going to keep my eyes pure. I don't want to lust. I don't want to look at porn. But what about in every other area? Self control in being angry? Angry? Self control in what we eat? Ch- <laughs> Did you say chocolate? <laughs> chocolate? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fall festival. Ah, chocolate! Some of you go, one for you and two for me, <laughs> one for you and two for me. Self-control. Anyway, we got off track here. But that's, that could be, right? That could be the other fruit, the other fruit of the Spirit, right? And so, again, that's what he's saying. It, it could be the fruit of righteousness, guys doing the right thing. So you've got converts, you've got character, you got conduct, and you got the fruit of righteousness. Or how about this? It just might be the fruit of morality and grace of Christianity, the fruit of morality and grace in somebody else's life. What do you mean? Whenever you're dealing with people, you take a step back. Remember, that's what you were. That's how you acted, and you show them grace, and you show them mercy. It's Matthew's gospel in chapter 5, verse 16 that says, So let your light shine before men that they may see you good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? Beautiful. Listen to how Warren Wiersbe puts it. Listen to how he comments on this verse. Many of these things could be counterfeited by the flesh. But the deception would eventually be detected, for real spiritual fruit has in it the seeds of more fruit. Man-made results are dead and cannot be reproduced themselves, but the spirit-produced fruit will go on reproducing from one life to another, there will be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Didn't that, didn't that just blow you away? Why, the very first comment, he says, many of these things that I just talked about could be counterfeited by the flesh. And you're just like, what? He says, here's how you'll know. Eventually, they'll be detected. And he says, and some real spiritual fruit would continue to reproduce. It'll reproduce in you, and it'll reproduce in others in your life. Right? The apple doesn't fall far from the You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Look at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Here's what you just need to write down on that verse. I'm loved by Jesus. Sometimes we just need to hear it. I'm loved by Jesus. We've grown up in a world where love is just, it's a foreign concept. And here Jesus says, I am loved by you, Lord. Thank you. And then he says, now remain in my love, in his love. It indicates that that they follow Jesus as he showed them his love for them how by willing being willing to sacrifice his life for them so we want to remain in that love and again he reminds us the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because jesus showed us much fruit we too must bear much fruit in the power of the holy spirit verse 10 says if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love okay so let's just talk commandments. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, remember what it means. It means the commission, it means spreading the gospel in the context. Do you guys remember? Also in the context, he says, Listen, you're going to do greater work, so we want to remember to go out and, and and do the great commission. We want to keep that commandment. But it also in context, according to John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. So Jesus says, listen, if you guys are loving people, just like I told you, you will abide in my love. He says, you gotta do that. A new commandment. And then, of course, Jesus finishes off our text today. He hadn't finished talking, but he says, these things I have spoken to you, that your joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. That's what Jesus says. He says, guys, I'm telling you this, because I want your joy, my joy to stay in you and that you would be joyful. You go, Ben, what does joy mean? Well, it's a state of joy and gladness. It's great happiness. That's what he means. Jesus is telling this not to bum us out. Not so we're like, oh my goodness. He's just, all he's saying is this. He's saying, Brother Joe, stay connected in me. He says, Sister Beverly, stay connected. You want you want to live a joyful life? Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay say. That's what he's saying. You, here it is. You want you want to be happy, right? Stay connected. Remain in Me, and I in you. Now let's close with this, guys. Let's close. We're the branches. Everybody know that, right? We're branches, right? As branches in the vine, we have the privilege of abiding and the responsibility of bearing fruit okay first and foremost you have the privilege to abide in the vine how important it is for us to honor our father by 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 not misrepresenting him because we're connected to him that's our privilege but we also have the responsibility of what guys of bearing fruit right Bearing fruit, praying that the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. Lord, I want to be just like you. See, Jesus is our greatest example. He is the greatest example. And if you and I are to be like him in this life, abiding in love, keeping his commandments, then let me say this to you. We must stay put in The enemy is going to come in your life, church. Listen to me. The enemy is going to come in your life, and he's going to try to get you to wander off. He's going to get you to think things. He's going to get you to doubt his love. He's going to get you to doubt the greatness of who he is, and he's going to want to get you to wander away instead of stay put in him. His goal is to get you disconnected from the vine. That's his goal. Unplug that thing, man. There's no power if he's not connected. He's going to dry up, and he's going to be just like a branch, and I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to laugh at him. And here the Word of God says, no, 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 just stay plugged in, guys. Stay put. Stay put. It's going to be tough sometimes. Why? Because I'm going to see fruit, and that's going to hurt, and he's going he's to prune me at times. That's okay, but I'm going to stay plugged in. I'm going to stay plugged in. Guys, with your dying breath, you want to stay plugged in. With your dying breath, you say, I, I'm going to finish well. I'm gonna finish well, Jesus. I'm gonna finish well. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, guys, means that what? When someone is displaying traits or behaving in the same way as their parents. That's what I wanna do. I wanna behave like my Jesus. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, people are gonna know, you're my kid, you're my offspring, you're my children, you're my disciples. Not how you look, but, but how you love, by how you love. And when you're loving people, and you've got joy, and you've got happiness, and you're gentle when they're ugly, and you're kind when they're mean, they're going to go and glorify God. They're going to glorify God. Here's what we've learned, guys. As branches, we must abide. We must abide. Okay? As branches, we must abide. Everybody got that? You go, okay, what are we going to learn next week? Next week, Jesus is going to call us friends. And if branches, we must abide. As friends, we must obey. If branches, we must abide. Then as friends, we must obey. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. Lord, it's just a few verses, but I can't imagine, guys, Lord, just these verses that says uh, how much you want us to, to, to just be plugged into you. Father, I never want to leave a meeting, God, without an opportunity for anyone to respond to your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and you came and somebody invited you to church and you said, yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on in my life. I, I, I'll show up. I'll show up. And, and here's what happened to you. While the worship was going on, the Lord began to open your heart just a little bit. You're singing some songs. You're like, man, I need God in my life. I need God in my life. And then through the teaching of the Word of God, he began to open your heart just a little bit more. But here's, what the, here's the reality of it. Okay? You're here this morning, and, and you may not be in a right relationship with Jesus. And you're thinking, Pastor, I was tracking with you, and then you said the thing about the branch and then, and then being cut off. I don't, I don't want to be cut off. I want my sins forgiven. I know God has put eternity in my heart. My sins aren't forgiven, and, and, and I need Jesus to come and forgive me, but I don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, Pastor, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. Well, let me tell you this. If you feel like you're a million miles away from God this morning, you're one decision away from coming back to him. And here's what I want to tell you today. Here's what I'm here to tell you. He's standing here with his arms open wide, ready to forgive all that you've ever done, and he wants to give you a new life. And he's not asking anything of you except to abide in him. And you go, Pastor, what do I need to do? Well, today, all you need to do is simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus once and for all. I want to quit playing church, and I just want to abide in him. If that's what you're telling me, the word of God says, I just need to abide in him for me to be saved, then that's what I want. That's what I want. Listen to me, church. Don't let pride keep you from coming to Jesus. Pride is the number one thing. That Right now, it's going, hey, you don't need this. You're saved. You're cool. You and your God, you got it worked out. That's false. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Today, if you'll open up your heart and you invite him inside, you'll be saved. God will save you, and he'll put a, he'll put a new life in you, and he'll take you places you could never imagine. But if you don't, and you walk out of here, and just like Jesus said, a branch is going to be is, uh, that doesn't abide in me is going to be burned and be separated from him forever. And God brought you here for a reason, and he's ready for you to surrender to him. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anybody here this morning that says, Pastor, um, I think you were talking to me. I feel my heart beating that way, and I really I I, I don't care what people think, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to know one hundred percent that I'm saved. If that's you, will you just lift up your hand? Nobody will see you. God will see you. you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you do that right now? Is there anyone here that would do that? You're not in a right relationship with God. Don't let the enemy distract you guys right now. just between you and the Lord. Maybe you feel like, man, I need to lift my hand, but I don't know. Listen to the Lord. God bless you, sir, in the back. I hear you. I see you. Amen. Anyone else wants to make sure that you are right with Jesus? Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Father, I thank you for that for that awesome man that raised his hand back there, that, Lord, you would speak to him, that you would, you would just uh, pray with him, that you would love on him, that he would abide in you, that he would pray something like this, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I have not abided in you, but I want to abide in you. I want to know that when I die, I can be with you forever. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. You were buried and you rose again. I believe that with all of my heart. And so that is in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, church.